Welcome to Right to Equality with me, Charlotte Proudman. In each episode, we'll be sharing a space for curiosity, empowerment, education and laughter with a range of guest speakers that are all working to achieve equality and freedom for all. This is about cutting-edge feminist politics and our fight for equality because feminism changed my life. It made me learn that we can use our voice to challenge the status quo, to change the world and to push boundaries. So let's start here and now together. Today, we're going to be focusing on the Depp versus Amber Heard trial. Who hasn't seen the news reports focusing on this particular trial, which has blasted across our newspapers, online, TikTok with various memes of Amber Heard, and it most certainly has been unprecedented, particularly since the Me Too movement. We're going to cover that and so much more with the brilliant guests that we have with us. Uh, Lucia Osborne Crowley is a writer and journalist. Her news reporting and legal affairs uh, reporting is featured in Law 360. Now, just to refresh your memory, uh, for those that are listening, Amber Heard is being sued by Johnny Depp for defamation or libel in the US. And that all centers on an op-ed article that Amber Heard wrote in the Washington Post in 2018 when she said she's a public figure representing uh, domestic abuse and she felt the full force of our culture's wrath for women who speak out. At no stage did she identify Johnny Depp or any uh, perpetrator of domestic abuse. Um, of course, there has been a high court judgment um, just two years ago now in which Lord Justice uh, Nicol, uh, in fact, Mr. Justice Nicol, in the High Court found that uh, Johnny Depp is a wife beater because 12 of 14 occasions in which um, Amber Heard had allegedly physically assaulted her and abused her were found to be proved. Despite that, there is, as I say, another trial that's ongoing now in the US. Lucia, thank you ever so much for joining us today. I'm looking forward to getting stuck in and speaking to you about this trial. Well, you know, I've been following your tweets and, you know, you've been helping us all understand what's been happening in court um, day after day. And I saw that, in fact, just coming onto this podcast now, Amber Heard was giving evidence yet again uh, about the trauma that she has um, suffered. It's, it's um, I mean, it is heartbreaking. I find it very traumatizing, really, watching her give evidence because it relates so much to the way in which my clients are cross-examined. You know, the, the notion of, well, why didn't you leave if he was abusing you? So putting the onus on her to escape rather than on him yep. as being the perpetrator of the abuse. And we've seen these victim-blaming tropes play out in court. And one of the things which I really notice is that you know, there's no such thing as a perfect or ideal victim. Everyone behaves in completely different ways. One could be crying, extremely distressed, or disassociated from their trauma, or angry, cold, clinical. In fact, some judges have suggested even calculated and manipulative. In this idea of there being real and not real survivors, um, it plays into you know every myth in the in the kind of textbook of misogynistic myths about uh, surviving abuse. Uh, and and it, it's very difficult to deal with because, you know, I've written two books about being sexually assaulted and, and living with PTSD and getting all these messages saying, you know, you wouldn't understand because I'm a real survivor. And the way that I can prove that is that I know she's lying and you don't. 
um, it's it's really alarming to me. Um, honestly, I, you know, when I started covering this, I I didn't expect anything like this, um, and and it's you know I've certainly never seen anything like it before, um, and I do think it's really really worrying because I think it's a couple of things coming together at once. It is this idea of of the perfect victim. Um, you know, because there are things that have come out in this trial, there's evidence that's come out about her um, that maybe is what, you know, people don't think it's the way they would behave or whatever. But, you know, we've worked so hard to kind of get people to understand um, that, as you said, there's no one way to be a survivor. There are as many ways to respond to trauma as there are traumatised people. You know, there are so many different responses to it. Um, So it's this idea that... um, she, you know, is behaving away in a way that doesn't align with how they reacted personally, um, and therefore, you know, people say they know she's lying. And and secondly, she's behaving in, you know, they see her as as not a perfect person. You know, she didn't immediately give all of the money to the ACLU. That has nothing to do with the truth of these allegations. Absolutely nothing at all. The way that we go about our lives. You know, firstly, you know, she's given a lot of money to them and uh, most people don't do that. So I still think that, um, you know, she, the amount of blame she's getting for that is um, is wild. But also the, the other things that we do in our lives um, that can be blameworthy, we all do those things, have nothing to do with telling the truth about allegations. As you said, a, a, a very, very respected High Court judge has already ruled that these things happened. Um, so. It's all of those, as I said, it's all of those myths kind of coming into play all at once. And it must be that there's something going on here that people really don't want this to be true. That that despite the fact that we've done so much work over the last few years in dispelling these myths, they come back up so easily when when we want a reason to disbelieve someone. And it seems like everyone really wants to not believe her. Wants to not believe her. Yeah, I mean... They're, they're... It just seems as though the media and the focus is very much on her lying. You know, we've seen hashtags like Amber Heard is a psychopath, Amber Heard is an abuser, Amber Heard should go to prison, Mm. I stand with Johnny Depp. The focus is on her being so-called unliked, which is really problematic because as girls, we are socialized to be liked. Mm. And now there's this notion that, if you want to be a real victim, if you want to be believed, you also have to be likable. And there are many women that are not likable and are victims of domestic abuse. You know, you don't have to be liked in order to be a genuine victim. And I think one of the things that we're seeing here as well is that, you know, she is accused by Johnny Depp of fighting back or being abusive towards him. And we know that many victims of domestic abuse are not, um, don't necessarily behave in stereotypical ways of not fighting back, of doing nothing, of being completely silent, in a corner, terrified. Sometimes victims will say uh, nasty things. Sometimes they will swear. Sometimes they'll hit back. And in fact, we have seen in other cases, you know, battered wife syndrome cases, so to speak, where women have retaliated to their abusive partners or husbands over long periods of time and ended up killing them. And then they have been sentenced to murder 
as a result, convicted of murder and get a long time in prison. That doesn't necessarily mean, though, that they are blameworthy for that abuse. And we've seen a shift in the law in recognising how domestic abuse and coercive controlling behaviour can impact on victims, such as in the Sally Chelling case. Mm -hmm. And I think in this case, it's interesting to see that it's suggested that only one party is, has to be completely um you know blameworthy to the extent that only they are the ones that have ever laid a hand or said anything vile to another party that doesn't mean of course it's mutual abuse or toxic relationship or situational abuse it's just the reality of domestic abuse isn't it exactly and this exactly. is another thing and this that, is another that thing that really that worries me because really there's worries. so much of this conversation around this trial um, and and not a lot of conversation putting this trial in the context of what we know about patterns of abuse, about dynamics of abuse, you know, uh, and there's it's there's so much out there, you know, there's so many incredible people doing work on this. And we understand how these things work and we understand how the cycles of violence work inside a relationship and you, all of that. But but that's people aren't really allowing that to come into this discussion. So I'm just seeing again and again. Oh, there's the audio where she admits to hitting him. So therefore, um, all things being equal, she's the abuser because, you know, she clearly hit him that one time. But the law recognises, and I wrote a post about this, and I got death threats. Like, I, the response was really alarming. The post was just about the fact that Virginia law, you know, the place where this trial is taking place, recognises domestic violence not as the fact of an act of physical violence, but as a pattern of uh, control. Um, and it's about an imbalance of power. It's about an intimate relationship in which one person uses a litany of tactics to maintain control, um, which can and does involve psychological violence, physical violence, sexual violence, and threats of violence. That's how the law defines the thing that we're talking about. You know, this isn't even me just saying, this is what I think. Uh, this, is, this is what the law says. And people, were really angry at me about it. Um, but, you know, this is one of those situations where the law has actually progressed with, with the conversation and with the research and now understands, you know, that it's not just about, you know, in the middle of a fight who, you know, who engaged in what kind of specific violence. Um, because that, and, and having evidence that both people are engaging in that, as you say, does not make it mutual abuse because... The question for the jury and the question in this is, is what is the dynamic in this relationship and who is the person who's in control and how is that person using that control and what elements do threats of physical, psychological and sexual violence play in that um, coercion and that control? And that's very different from saying she hit him during a fight. So therefore, you know, she's an abuser. And I didn't realize that that was such a kind of popular thing that 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 people think and also uh, you know as you say i was just thinking about this this idea that that people can't ever fight back um and still be victims of violence um again you know we now have such a great body of research showing that there are four different responses um to being uh threatened uh fight flight freeze and fawn um i think we've seen examples of all of them in this trial um because in, we all use them at different times that's what the brain does you know it decides on different responses 
um, fight is the first one in that list of, you know, fight, fight, freeze. It's the, it's the one we know best is, is to, is to try and defend yourself. Um, and then fight is to run away. Freeze is to kind of shut down and fawn is to apologize, placate, all of that kind of thing. So it just, it seems there's a disconnect happening because we do understand that, that fighting back when you're threatened is a normal response. But then in the context of this trial, it seems that all of that has been lost. I think that's right. And that's the concern, isn't it? You know, what the impact of this case is going to be long term on survivors of sexual violence, domestic use, coercive controlling behaviour and how they fear they're going to be viewed in a court of law or even just by friends and family members that are sharing these memes of Amber Heard and laughing at her and poking fun at her as if that's normal and as if it's acceptable. I wanted to ask you about another theme that's come out in this case, and that's litigation control and abuse. We've touched on the fact that this is now the second time that Amber Heard is giving evidence about the abuse that she has suffered at the hands of Johnny Depp, first, as we say, in the court in England and Wales, and now in the US. And it made me think a lot about Marilyn Manson, who's been accused of abuse by multiple people over two decades, and he's now suing his ex, Rachel Wood, for defamation. Uh, mm. She was 18 when they met, as I understood. He was 37. And she's accused him of rape, coercive control, and abuse. Do you think that the this case that we're seeing at the moment, the Depp and her case, has caused a trigger for other cases where we see men suing women to keep them silent, to shut them up, to gag them? Absolutely. And, Absolutely. you know, and, you it know, does really it does the more really I think about this, the more I think about this, um, that the conversation um, we're having about the conversation this, case we're right having now, this case right now is so important is because, so important because I, I do think something, I, is, I do think is something here is happening um, here. We've um, had the years, we've had of, the years you know, of, you know, people being able to speak people up being about abuse, speak up about and, abuse. You know, there were all these people, you know, there were all these people who said that there will be a kind of and This could be what it looks like, you know, defamation law and using these kinds of strategic lawsuits forum shopping going to different jurisdictions depending on their defamation laws uh to try and get a verdict in your favor um you know is is part of what that looks like i think um and and that's really frightening because i mean for lots of reasons um and you know to use the law in in this way um is as many people have pointed pointed out is a, is a form of abuse it's a recognized form of abuse um, and, you know, I just hope that, that because we're having this conversation now, we can think about how to make sure the courts don't end up being a place where this kind of revenge, uh, litigation keeps happening. You know, I just hope that there is, that we can sit down and think about, um, ways to make sure that, that these cases don't always get to court. Um, because, you know, it, it's not right that something should be able to be litigated again and again and again um, in different countries and, you know, all of that. Um, it's not fair on victims. It's not fair on anyone. Um, so I, I, it does really worry me that this is becoming a model for that because, you know, everyone is watching this trial. Um, there are a bun There's a whole um, chunk of Johnny Depp fans who are hashtagging I stand with Johnny Depp and then I stand with Marilyn Manson. So they're actually, you know, it's the same people. So they're when this is, they've said this when this has when this has ended, they're going to switch over to a campaign for Marilyn Manson 
to, to have his name cleared in this defamation suit against Emma Rachel Wood. So these are people that have been brought into this fight, you know, ag against this idea of this woman who has lied about, who has made up years and years and years worth, you know, the idea that all of this is a lie, even though it's been proven in a high court, you know, there are people who've, who've bought into that and they're ready to keep going. Um, and Marilyn Manson is their next project because Jeff, Johnny Depp and Marilyn Manson are friends. Um, so, you know, it's, it's scary. And, and I think it, I think as people who, you know, think about the law and, and how it's used in society, I think it's a really important thing to keep talking about because, because uh, you know, I just hope, uh, you know, I just hope courts don't kind of just let this happen. I mean, it seems as if it already has gained momentum in terms of it happening already. And I know that there are ongoing cases in England, Wales of this nature, where certainly not all of those involved are high profile. And unsurprisingly, uh, the women that are being sued lack the resources, uh, like any form of capital, social, cultural, financial, to be able to actually challenge a claim for defamation, which mm. means that it's so frightening for the women watching this that they daren't speak up about it. So it becomes a means of furthering the control and abuse through the courts, which plays out in the media, and then means that victims don't have the right to self-determination and right self-identification. You know, I represented Kate Griffiths, who's a member of parliament, and it was found after I represented her that she'd been a victim of rape, domestic abuse and coercive control by her former husband, who at the time of the abuse was a member of parliament, Andrew Griffiths MP, who also had a history of sending sexually violent, depraved messages to, to females. So there was a history there already. Now, in that case, she had to fight tooth and nail to get that judgment published. She went to the high court, she went to the court of appeal. It took... Uh, many, many months to be able to get that right. And she was saying that if I'm not allowed to speak out about this, the courts are continuing his abuse and his control over me. And I think that that is so powerful, that argument. Mm. And that's what we're seeing happening here, that if you dare speak out, you will be abused. And I, I wanted to move on to thinking about not just the abuse in terms of using the courts as an avenue, but also the media because what we've seen is a media witch hunt oh. and gross misogyny thrown at women in the past. Amy Winehouse, who's dead. Caroline Flack, who's mm -hmm. dead. Mm -hmm. Britney Spears, who's in her 40s and only is just now free mm -hmm. of a conservative mm -hmm. shit that she was subject to by her father after a breakdown because of media abuse. No doubt other issues as well, but perhaps primarily. Why do you think society in 2022, we still find it acceptable to treat women in this way i mean i've been asking myself i mean i've been asking myself question every day since i've been covering this trial because you know i do find it really shocking the fact that um you know this trial is really showing me personally that we haven't come as far as i thought we had in terms of what we think is an acceptable way to speak about women and treat women um because you know the truth is people always accuse me of um, being very one-sided on this but and you know I'm covering both sides of the case but the thing is that what I'm also trying to cover is the way that people are speaking differently about Amber Heard and in a way that they would never ever ever dream of speaking about Johnny Depp you know and that's that's what's important because you know the messages I get about her 
the language is gendered, there are threats involved, you know, it's misogynistic language. It's you do not have to use that language in order to say, I think his case is stronger. You know, none of that is necessary. Um, and yet it seems to be the backbone of his support. So, you know, that really tells you something, I think. It, it, it's about people being given license to say things that I think they wanted to say um, about women, about this idea that women lie, about this idea that women um, manipulate, uh, you know, are fundamentally calculating, um, and about this idea that women exaggerate. So it's all these really, you know, and I try to try to engage with people and I say, you know, um, totally fine for you to believe his evidence more than hers that's up to you um but the language you're using about her tells me that it's not about the evidence um you know because otherwise you wouldn't be you wouldn't be using this this these words um that are very very historically gendered that are very very loaded um and you know that's why it's really frightening because i think a lot of people to, you know, get, it's swept up so many people and the narrative, as you say, in, you know, in the media, the narrative is, is, has a misogynistic undertone to it, sometimes not even an undertone, sometimes very explicitly. Um, and that's the problem, you know, that can't be how we speak about anyone, about any women, about any victims. Um, and the amount of it I've seen is, is really alarming. And it, and it does seem, yeah, as I said, that, that, you know, I saw someone say the other day, so I don't want it to sound like this is my original thought, but it's like people are, are latching onto this as the case they were waiting for, where they believe that, you know, where to show that women do actually lie. And Me Too was actually all a big exaggeration and women do love playing the victim and all that stuff. And, you know, that point really resonated with me because, the way I hear people speak, it's this, it's gleeful. You know, people are really excited to, to kind of humiliate her. And it, and it feels like, you know, people are like, oh, this is the one we've been waiting for to prove that all of the last five years have been, you know, a joke. That's the problem, isn't it, with the, ma the backlash of the Me Too movement and the fact that we've ended up in a position of regression rather than progression and many have disowned Amber Heard, including feminists themselves. It shows really how endemic misogyny is in society, including, unfortunately, women hating on other women um, for a variety of reasons, which are, I think, incredibly complex, perhaps also in terms of internalised misogyny mm -hmm. as women mm -hmm. that we might not even be aware of, but because it permeates all aspects of our culture, socialization or general interactions with people that we ourselves don't even recognize some of our own sexism and gendered lens and i think it, it's interesting to me how so many people are not aware of the fact that a high court judge has found debt to have abused amber heard on so many occasions that we've already mentioned I mean, are they just willfully ignoring that or or is it right that people are just not aware of those findings so, you know, this is a really good thing to talk about, I think, because, you know, that judgment is not spoken about enough um, in any of the conversations that I see being had. Um, and I think it's a combination of both. To be honest, the majority of people that I have spoken to it about directly, um, who will message me saying, you know, all sorts of things, 
I'll say, well, what do you make of this very long judgment uh, where a High Court judge weighed up the evidence and found that 12 out of 14 um, alleged acts of physical abuse by Johnny Depp against Amber Heard did in fact take place. And it's not that they're not aware of it. They have read it, you know, and what they say to me is um, that case was a sham. Uh, the judge is corrupt. Um, he's good friends with Dan Wooten. Um, he's in bed with Rupert Murdoch. Uh, he was always going to find for Abba Heard because he hates Johnny Depp. So it, it, you know, it, it does seem to me uh, like there is a real urge to, to find whatever reason to not engage uh, with that, with that uh, judge, with that, with that judge. And to, I think that's right. To, I think I think that's right because when I've pointed it out, um, I've had bizarre responses such as, "Well." If this judge finds that, um, or the jury find that he um, isn't an abuser, will you accept that? And I thought, well, you're not even accepting the high court judgments. So that's a bit rich, isn't it? <laughs> We're just going to pick and choose from one jurisdiction to another. Um, I just finally want to ask you, Lucia, what are your hopes for the outcomes of this trial? You know, as we've said, I think there are two very different things going on here. I, I think there's, there's, there's one thing that's about this trial and about these particular people and all the people who've been kind of mobilised behind Johnny Depp. Um, and, you know, that's one thing. And I think it's really important to kind of keep correcting the misinformation about the trial while it's happening and, and pay attention to, obviously, to what the jury decides and, and all of that. But, you know, there's another thing as well, which is much more structural. Uh, and that is that, you know, we need to watch how this trial kind of changes this conversation because you know i think as we've been saying about these myths the thing that really worries me is that because everyone's so caught up in this specific story and are not contextualizing it in what we know about abuse of power about patterns of violence um then these things will become the things from this trial such as depth expert said yesterday that people with ptsd become housebound that's not true uh, you know, and, and, you know, I just hope that those things, just because they were said by an expert in, in a very messy trial, um, don't, don't become true or, 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 you know, don't, don't, uh, don't become legitimate in some way. Um, and so I think that's really concerning. So, I, you know, I think on the one hand that, you know, I'm, I'm really concerned, um, actually just for Amber Heard's safety. I mean, I saw it. I had a tweet yesterday that said defending Johnny Depp online isn't enough. I need a gun. Uh, and I literally woke up in the night thinking about that tweet. Uh, so on the one hand, you know, I think this case itself, you know, we, we need to be focused on this case and these people and, and what is happening. And then separately after this, we need to be watching to, to see kind of what, what, which of the myths that have come back in this trial um, kind of stick and and to make sure that we counter that with with the evidence and you know what we know about violence and what we know about abuse. Thank you ever so much, um, Lucia. We've we've reached time, but if you don't know Lucia's work, and I'm sure you do, and I'm sure you're avid fans just like I am, please do follow her on Instagram, on Twitter, and do read her books. I choose Eleanor. My body keeps your secrets, and I know that she's no doubt working on another book as we speak. And I'm going to leave Lucia to get back to the trial of Debt versus Heard, which I'm afraid to say you can watch online. <laughs> 
Uh, and you can also read the right-hand column with all the misogynistic abuse at the same time as she relives the trauma that she's suffered at the hands of Johnny Depp. Yeah. Thank you ever so much, everyone, for being here. And I look forward to the next podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really nice. Thank you. Bye.